No doubt. Falafel. No doubt. Falafel. That's what you went with. There we go. There we go. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. I overrode you there. Yeah. Uh, welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. If you're local, uh, if you live in the Athens area, Bethlehem, Winder, Bogart, Statham, Lawrenceville, uh, really anywhere along the 316 corridor, come check us out one Sunday morning. Our service is at 1030. If you are not local but looking for a good Bible teaching church to maybe check out online, again, same service time, 1030, but we live stream. Uh, you can find our live stream on facebook.com slash Calvary316, or you can find our live stream at calvary316.live. So encourage you to check all of that out. I am um, joined, as always, in studio by the man that needs no introduction, uh, the S- Scrooge McDuck of the Christmas season, Creighton Vaughn. How are you? Hello. I am doing well. I am Scrooge McDuck. You're Scrooge McDuck because, you, holiday. because you're just not, you're not really into Christmas. That's an understatement. I really dislike uh, the whole Christmas season. You're just not. Uh, I don't into like it. the cold. I don't like the snow. I don't like the gift giving. Um, I am very much Scroogey, uh, and I stand by that. And you stand by that. Well, at least you're consistent. We are. We are joined in studio uh, by two of our dear friends. So we're down. We're down about fifty percent capacity tonight. We got Spice Daddy. How are you, my friend? Doing good. You know. Just, you know. I'm making up for. Creighton's lack of Christmas spirit. That's true. You do ooze. I, I love I love baby Jesus enough to make up for his hate of baby Jesus. He was born in like July. And it's true. If you, if you don't, if you can't love baby Jesus, you can't love right adult Jesus. <laughs> it's it's uh, there's a truth to that. That's so right. I, I I do love the fact that every time I show up, so you and Creighton get to church before I do, and it's typically you, you guys kind of boot up the building. You're the first two in the building, and and then I show up. And the, the Christmas tunes that, that you just force Creighton to listen to. I do. Um, you I cre- started that a month or so ago. <laughs> it was awful. It's it's actually pretty fantastic. We're also joined in studio by Mr. Nicholas Monty. You're kind of holding it down for, for Deal Daddy over there. Yeah. Filling some big shoes. Filling some big <laughs> shoes. You're ha- holding down the right side. So we're going to need you to bring it today. I'll try. You're going to have to fill some content, which is great. So with the Christmas season and with... Uh, all kinds of uh, work schedules and Christmas parties and and whatnot. Uh, we're 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 running a, a little short tonight, but that's fine. Um, Creighton, before we get to the topic, and just in case you might be new to the show, uh, the way that the Outlaw Radio Show works is that Creighton, the producer, brings a topic. Um, it's then my job to turn that topic into a Bible study, and so I have no idea uh, what in the world we'll be talking about tonight. It is completely uh, unscripted. Um, but that is my job to turn either the topic or the passage of scripture or just whatever Creighton brings. My job is to turn that into a Bible study. I will interact with these guys who ask questions, interject their thoughts and feedback. Uh, and, and we have just a good a good time as a group of brothers talking about the scriptures, things of the Lord. Uh, and so that's what Creighton does. What's fun about the way that the show functions. So this is a podcast. Podcast gets released. Apple, Google, Spotify every Thursday. Uh, but we record uh, we live stream the recording of the podcast uh, on uh, both YouTube and Facebook. Creighton, why don't you tell the audience where they can find those links as, as well as uh, what kind of makes that fun and its interactiveness. Yeah, so basically, uh, if you're watching live, you'll either be on Facebook or YouTube. Um, and there'll the be quick a links for those section. are very simple, right? Yes, it's whatever the, you know, Facebook, the Radio Outlaw, YouTube. I think YouTube's is weird. It's YouTube slash at the radio outlaw 
because YouTube decided to have a weird URL. The easiest system. way to find our YouTube channel is outlawradio.live. It's just outlawradio.live. Yes. Yeah. So if you're watching, there will be a comment section on both YouTube and Facebook, generally to the right of your video, um, where you can post and I will see them and I will read it. Like we have one from longtime friend of both Zach and I, uh, Miss Anne. She says Ms. hello. Anne. So hi, Miss Anne. Yes. It's good. I'm glad you're with us, Miss Anne. Merry, <laughs> Merry Christmas. It's good. It's good to be back stronger and healthier at Christmas time. Indeed. So yeah, uh, if you have a comment, question, concern, if Zach says something that is off the wall or terrible, Which please let us know. Which is entirely possible, yes. Yes, if he, you know, says something heretical, please let us know. I would love to bring it up to him. Um, if I say something heretical, you don't have to say anything. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, we have that comment section. And then they can also, if they'd like to submit a topic, uh, again, we're starting to kind of lay out our, our production schedule for the new year. Yes. Uh, if, if they'd like to submit maybe uh, an idea a question that could be asked that we maybe we craft a show around. Uh, they could do that by emailing you directly, correct? Yes, and my email is creightonvaughn at gmail.com. Uh, spell My Creighton, name just... is hard to spell. It's C-R. Uh, it's eight, E-I-G-H-T-O-N, and then V-A-U-G-H-N at gmail.com. And maybe so why don't you go... at gmail.com. I'll put it in the comments section Perfect. if anybody would like to. Perfect. Well, well before you drop the topic, uh, I, I do have a, a few things I want to bring up. Uh, just not a rant, but just a little bit of housekeeping here. Uh, some fun things just kind of going on uh, that I'd like to, to, to share. So um, a, a dedicated listener um, of the show, uh, listens every week, uh, is my brother. I think both brothers, but I know one brother for sure, my, my youngest brother, Mac. Um, and he's constantly uh, dropping text messages, leaving feedback. Uh, letting me know um, if the podcast has a glitch in it, uh, which is extremely, uh, yep. that's a wonderful thing because sometimes it's hard to know if, if something hasn't uploaded, something hasn't posted. Uh, and so Mac is kind of my quality control guy, which is wonderful. <laughs> I, I want to share a little bit of this text exchange I had with him. Um, you know, I had sit, he had sent me, uh, uh, sent me a screenshot that there was an episode that was unavailable. And he said, just was curious about this topic. That's why I'm sending this. It won't load on any of my apps. Just letting you know. Most recent episodes were great. I think he was going back into the archive on something. I let him know, hey, thanks thanks for the heads up. Uh, this was fixed today. And then he said, he said, no problem. Listen to this past week. The show's good, man. I really enjoy it. Don't stop doing it. Um, and, th and then he added, just for the record, your archaeologist has some out there takes on everything, ha ha, uh, which as referring to Spice Daddy. Hey, yeah. if you can't have weird thoughts, and weird uh, theories on stuff, what's what's the fun in life? And so, uh, and I, and so I replied. I said, um, I said I'd keep doing it if you're the only one listening. And uh, and he says, how many people actually listen? Is there any way to measure that? And so I replied to Mac. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think periodically it's it's important to reiterate this uh this idea not just for the audience sake uh, but also for all of our sake you know just you know just repeating kind of something i think is central and core um to to what we're doing and why we're doing it I, let me read my my reply and uh, and then i'll elaborate just a little bit um i said i intentionally do not track any of those metrics don't want to be depressed out of doing what the Lord told me to do if few people are listening. Don't want to think I'm more important than I am if a bunch of people are listening. I'm doing it because Jesus told me to, and that's enough. 
And so my brother replied, he said, well said, did you type that? That's the longest text you've sent all year to me. Uh, and I said, well, half of it. <laughs> I started I started with my thumbs and then went quickly to voice to text. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it's important. You know, there are um, there are are services that you can you can employ um, where, you know, you can host basically your podcast. And so they can set up all different types of, of tracking for the metrics and to think so you know how many downloads you're getting, how many subscriptions you have, you know how many people are listening, which topics trend. Um, and same thing with kind of YouTube and Facebook. They have like some baseline metrics that you kind of get. But we've learned over time that, that you know, if you look up at the corner and it says so many people are watching something, that's really not actually accurate um, because we'll have, you know, we'll have people reach out about an episode uh, that never popped up that they were watching. Um, and so we don't track it. And the reason we don't is that that's not why we're doing it. Um, it's not why I'm doing it. From day one, um, the, the first, the very beginning, and this goes even back to the preaching ministry. You know, we don't track the church's podcast. I don't track clicks. You know, we don't have any metrics for any of this stuff. Uh, first, we don't advertise um, and we don't monetize. And so uh, from that standpoint, there's really not a... a Again, the only way that you can advertise on a podcast is to be able to go to somebody and say, hey, we have this many people uh, that are listening from this area. This is kind of the demographic info. Um, and the my pillow guy wants to send us right pillow. now. I'll, now, I'll, Mike I'll, Lindell, I'll, he, there's there's an open invitation, right. standing invitation to Mike Lindell. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, I just want to clarify. Yeah, that. full clarity. Yeah. Uh, Mike Lindell, that's a totally different topic. But the um, but the idea is just like if, if you know, you'd have to show you would have to show. How many people are listening to justify somebody, you know, giving you money, giving you money and paying for ad time. Uh, But we don't do that. We've never felt called to monetize. Uh, We really view this as a ministry. Um, It's, it's a, it's an, it's an outcropping and outflow and outreach really of Calvary 316, um, which is the church that we all go to. And, um, and so this is not, this is not about making a buck. So there's no reason from that end, but, but it goes deeper than that. And Creighton, you and I've talked about this. Uh, for years, because there's always that moment, like, I wonder how many people really are listening. Um, but at the same time, it's like, why does that matter? Like, you got to go back to like, why you're doing something to begin with. You know, why, why did I start doing this? Why have I continued to do this? Why do I invite you guys to come? Why has it grown to what it is? Why have we invested into the mics and, uh, and, and the rig and the studio? Well, it's because God told us to do it. And, and if Jesus lays a vision on your heart and the Lord tells you to do something, then, then you're doing it. Why? Because he told you to. And, and again, I think tracking quote unquote, the success, I don't, it's not about success. It's about faithfulness. You know, you know, we would equate in a, in a secular sense, success being the number of views or clicks or mentions or whatever, but no, the success is the faithfulness of doing what God told you to do. Uh, whether one person's listening, no people are listening or a hundred thousand people are listening it doesn't really matter in regards to what God has called you to do. Um, and, and therefore, you know, it's very easy to get depressed if, you know, if you're doing something as a faithful expression of what the Lord's called you to do, and, and there's not a lot of people, it'd be very easy to bail off of what Jesus is telling you to do because it, it's easy to get trapped into like, well, why, why am I wasting my time? You know, this isn't, this doesn't matter. This isn't blessing anybody. This isn't making an impact. Which is completely false because you have no idea. It's like the old Sunday school teacher that the one kid that got saved in a Sunday school class was Charles Spurgeon. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, you had you, you caught one fish. 
it just was a doozy. You know, and mm-hmm. I think from from the heavenly vantage point, we're going to have a totally wet, different way of evaluating success and failure. And our moment, it's about faithfulness. And so if the Lord told you to do it, you know, if we ran the numbers and, and quote unquote, there's not a lot of people, well, that could get depressing. And then it'd be like, well, let's not do it or let's take time off or let's not put as much energy and effort that we should be putting into it. It's like, well, why even put yourself in that dynamic? Just be faithful. Like we're doing it because God told us to do it. Um, it doesn't really matter. And then on the flip side, and I think the more dangerous uh, is if if it was very successful. I, I if this show is is the if the podcast is listened to by a ton of people, you know, <laughs> it's like I'm I'm actually kind of glad I don't know that um, that I am not aware of how many people are listening or downloading because that could very easily uh, feed an ego. Um, you know, you you start looking back. I I I'm I'm four episodes in. I, I know. Again, if you're kind of in the Christian world, I know I'm a little behind. I'm a little little late to the, the podcast. So there's a big podcast that came out, I think a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago, called The Rise and Fall of, of Mars Hill. It's the story about Mark Driscoll. And I'm four episodes in. It's fascinating. I, I've got a lot of thoughts, Creighton. We were talking about that earlier today. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to reserve a lot of those thoughts for maybe a future episode that we can do uh, to talk about it. And I'm very uneasy listening to it. It's, 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 it's not enjoyable. It's very well done. Don't get me wrong, but it's not enjoyable. I don't like really lis- like listening to somebody else's garbage being, you know, broadcast for everybody to hear. I, it makes me a little uncomfortable in that regard. But I will say, and again, it has reminded me of that truth of man. One of the greatest dangers to ministry is when you get into the when you get to the point that you consider yourself to be more important than you are, um, and humility is the definition of. Of it's not it's not being self deprecating. Humility is being self aware. It's it's being aware of, of who you really are. And pride is the warping of that, where you you come to see yourself greater than you really are. And um and and that can happen within ministry when large crowds are coming or big clicks. Like, you know, I I it's hard for me it's hard for me to even wrap my brain around what kind of an impact it would make on a person when they're told that they are the most listened to downloaded pastor on the planet, like that's going to have an effect on your ego. Um, and I don't think it's a good one. And it can, I mean, you should get to your knees and be like, man, I'm on Holy ground. I, I really, I need to let go of that. It's not about me. It's so easy to think it's about you. So to me, going back to what I told my brother, it's like, you know, if, if, if we ran the metrics and there's not a lot of people listening, I might get depressed about it, which is not healthy. And if a lot of people are, I might get prideful and that, that ain't healthy. So it's like, well, why do it? We're doing it because we're being faithful to what the Lord asked us to do. I would hate to be famous. Honestly. I, like on, on specifically on this. And I, I like, I like how the way I like to think about it, this is our Bible study and the other people that are listening just to get, come along for the ride. Exactly. And, and which all of you listeners need to participate in this. Um, so send out those comments and questions, interact with us. Um, but like you're along for a ride and, and I wouldn't be able to do or say, I would be scared to say half the stuff that we would bring up if we were famous. And, you know, I I think not having a lot of listeners, it wouldn't change anything, but you know, it, it, what are your thoughts on it, Nick? So my thought when you're talking about that is, if we're doing it out of faithfulness, which we are, the Lord's going to have people that he wants listening to it, 
it, I mean, even if it's that one person listening to that one episode, then that's what we're doing it for. Like we're doing this out of faithfulness, knowing that God has a plan. So even if we're sitting out there and there's 400 people listening to it, none of those 400 people can get what we're saying, but one of those people that are in this room might be affected from it. So it's not about anything metric wise. It's about (coughs) what God has planned for this. But you know, Jeremiah had no idea of the scope and impact of his ministry until heaven, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, he had no converts, no one listened to him. The city he got was an sacked. earthly failure. The city got sacked. He wept over it. Um, was persecuted by the people he was sent to. Like nothing worked out for Jeremiah. Um, but then he got to heaven. He's like, okay, <laughs> okay, I get it, God. Like I, I totally understand. Uh, I understand what you're doing and why it was important for me to be faithful and what you had called me to do. Um, if he, if Jeremiah's ministry was was judged and gauged using our modern metrics of what is successful or not, um, he would have, he would have, you know, would have been dismissed as, as irrelevant when, when he was quite, quite the opposite. So again, I think it's just, you know, from time to time, help, helpful, healthy, uh, to just kind of take a moment and just to remind ourselves of, of kind of a core idea here. Uh, I'm with you, Justin. I, you know, you know, Creighton, we go back to, uh, when we pivoted the show, Mm-hmm. The whole idea of it, you want to explain just very quickly, just kind of what this iteration of the Outlaw Radio Show, why this came to be. Yeah, I mean, it's basically just a um, expansion of a thing that would happen pretty regularly where we'd be hanging out and I'd have a question or, you know, we'd be hanging out with Nick or Derek and somebody would be like, hey, what's this about? And then you would talk for two hours about it because you're in Adam's. Um, <laughs> well, and I have a lot was, of things to say about a lot of things. So. Yes. And it was always really great. And, and we would interact. Point, it was, it was a conversation. Yeah. And at some point we were like, why aren't we just podcasting this? I think at some point the conversation was actually after an episode of outlaw radio that we'd recorded, we had gone out back and I was like, Hey, what about this thing from the episode we just recorded? Mm-hmm. And then we talked for two hours and you were like, that should have been the episode. It should have <laughs> been the entire episode. Like, <laughs> it was like, okay, we can just. We could just do that. Let's do this. So now here we are. And um, I just want to say that I completely disagree with all three of them. I would like to be famous. <laughs> I want to wear Gucci boots. Uh, so, you know, if you, have, you can sponsor podcast. me even if you don't sponsor the show. Right, right. Hey, I didn't say I didn't want a pillow from, from my pillow. <laughs> I'll you want to comforter those Giza sheets, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, hey. You can't have Yeezus anything anymore. Does, is Snuggies? Not Yeezus. Snuggies still Giza. exist? It's the cotton that comes from the Nile, does, man. Does Snug- oh, gotcha. Hey, do Snuggies still exist? Oh, there's tons of them now. Yeah. Oh, yeah? I'd totally get sponsored and by And they're even guys. better things than the Snuggies. Hey, my pillow, yeah. greatest slippers you'll ever have. Really? I don't know. That's the advertisement. I did buy Jessica. <laughs> Jessica wanted a pair of them. I would rock those on the show. I'd prop my feet up right. Hey, right listen. I mean, I mean, you'd be, we would have you just covered in just a bunch of pillows. That's fine. Mike Lindell, reach out to Creighton right. Vaughn at gmail.com. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope, I'm just going to throw this out there for anyone that is listening, that you need to, someone needs to create a, a like Mike Lindell 1773-4001 at gmail.com so that it would just come up like you got an email from Mike Lindell. Um, why 73-401? Oh, just because it'd be like some, because it would be the obscure number that would allow you to get the Mike Lindell. Gotcha. Okay. Know, but yeah, it would yeah. only read the the letter. Oh, you would just get the name. You'd just show up as, oh, I got, 
I think I just got an email from Mike Lindell. Just totally spoof Creighton into into thinking of, of a sponsorship. What if it's you, really him though? Oh my goodness gracious! I just gave out Mike Lindell's actual private email address <laughs> on the Outlaw Radio Show. <laughs> hey, one more one more quick thing, and then and then we need to move oh, move on. Um, so last week um, I closed. We had a few minutes at the end of the episode, and so I just kind of wrapped things up by talking just ever briefly. It's totally unrelated to the 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 Christmas topic that you brought. Um, but I talked a little bit about just the situation with the restaurant, um, that refused a a bunch of waiters, I guess, refused to provide Mm -hmm. service for a Christian nonprofit group. And, uh, the restaurant called and canceled. And, and I kind of shared some thoughts about that. A buddy of mine named Seth, uh, who pastors a church, um, caught the end of it and and we actually he he was like he sent me a text right after the show it's like hey we need to chat and uh and so i i facetimed him i think it was the next day last thursday we we talked for a little while and uh and he thought like right on i'm so i, I was so blessed to hear uh, that perspective that take i think it was spot on and we were talking about it and he he brought up something about that topic that i was like yeah that's exactly how it should be handled because we were playing out this scenario. He was like, what if I was doing a, a Christmas party for my church? And we had contracted out a little restaurant uh, in the downtown area. Uh, we were going to have our Christmas party with dinner, et cetera. And this happened to us. So, you know, an hour or so before we were to arrive, I got a phone call from the manager that said, hey, we're canceling your reservation. Uh, this is why. Um, take a hike. He goes, he goes, how, how should we handle that? He goes, this is how I would have handled it. And I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was great. He goes, we, we would have found some other place to go. I wouldn't have gone to the press. You know, I wouldn't have done a thing. I wouldn't have made a thing of it. But you know what I would have done? I would have gone to my elders and I, and I would have said, you know, this is, this is really disappointing. Um, let's take the money that we were going to spend at that Christmas party at that restaurant for those wait, waiters and waitresses. And let's go and make a donation of that same amount to that restaurant for those waiters. Like to actually go and be like, hey, I know that you guys, for whatever reason, wanted nothing to do with us. And that breaks our heart. You know, we, you know, yeah, we, we might not agree with your particular lifestyle, but we love you. And, and it's the Christmas season. We wanted to come and just be a blessing. And, and it just broke our heart that this, that, that, that you didn't even feel like you could be in our presence. And so just, um, you know, we just we just want to come with this love offering, and so mm-hmm. we're just gonna pay you like 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 we were here, and uh, just to bless you and say Merry Christmas in the name of Jesus, and be done with it. Like not make a story of it, not like send it out to the press, but like just privately go and say, hey, just bums us out, it breaks our heart. Um, we're so sorry that this was a situation, but you know what? Anyway, uh, you know the money we were gonna spend, we're gonna bring it here anyway, and uh, we wanna we wanna say Merry Christmas. And I'm like. Yeah, that's exactly how the church should handle growing opposition and persecution. Yeah. It's we should meet instead of like, let's boycott, let's pick it, let's take it to Fox News. You know, so it's a story. We embarrass this restaurant. Let's let's flood their Yelps and run them out of business. You know, let's be quiet about it. And then let's just go and kill it with kindness. Like, let's 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 attack, you know that opposition um, by by a radical contrast of love. And I was like, bro, I'm going to, I'm th- that's, that's exactly right. Like that's exactly mm-hmm. how, 
and you know, in a, in a, in a microcosm, like in, in, um, you know, just like a, the personal application, like when you run into situations in your own life where you get opposed or someone uh, says something mean, or they do something that's not nice, or they treat you ill. What would Jesus do? Jesus would still die for their sins. You know, and if, and if, if you want to make an impact and you want to tear down those walls and you want to present something contrary to the way that the culture views Christianity, um, be radical in your love. Um, and you can do that without like affirming a lifestyle or anything like that. It's not like, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. it's just like, we're just going to, we're not going to have a Facebook campaign. We're not even going to advertise that we're even doing it. We're just going to go. And if they reject the money, they reject the money. You know, I mean, you can't force the money to take money, but you're making a point. And that's the whole, that's the whole idea. Um, what did you guys, any thoughts on that? I thought, I thought that was such a cool, a cool reaction to, to what I think, I think that's a good template to what we will all be encountering more and more frequently um, as, as our culture continues, continues down the path that I think it's on. Any thoughts before, before we pitch it over to Creighton for the topic tonight? Oh, no. yeah. I mean, it's a great way to respond. It's interesting. I just thought it was like that. I mean, that's a, that's, that's, I, I think it's the right reaction. Like, yeah. Yeah, I like it. The I think wrong it's a cool, reaction it's a cool is, way to go. is embarrassing people. Or the wrong reaction is to embarrass people and to drive the wedge farther. Like they're calling us, you know, hateful and bigoted and whatnot. And then when we respond in anger, they can just go, see, I told you. Yeah. And, and then they all lose their want. jobs because the restaurant goes out of business. And it's like, you think that changes the perspective of anybody there? Right. Then they just no, say, well, just the church drove us out of business because they hate us. Right. See, we were right. Right bigots so all right creighton well speaking of uh being under attack and how we respond and whatnot there's this thing that i remember from like eh, i would say you know early middle school up until i don't know last last 10 years that i vaguely remember but i remember it like i remember a very i remember certain events and it was a huge deal at the time people would scream about it um, and then I wouldn't hear anything about it for two years. And then this big event, and that is the war on Christmas. So I am not particularly politically involved um, or socially involved. I don't really hang out outside of my own sphere. But I do remember like when there was a Starbucks cup where they took Merry Christmas off of it or they had a red cup or something. And people lost their gosh dang minds about taking the Christ out of Christmas. Now, as somebody who doesn't like Christmas, I would like to take the Christmas out of Christ. Like, I don't, I don't see the problem. I don't care. I don't understand why Christians care so much about Christ being in a heathen Christmas. And so I was wondering if we could talk about that. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say the war on Christmas and like people taking the Christ out of Christmas and Christians getting real, real upset about that happening in the heathen world, uh, why do they care? Why do we care so much about it? Uh, why does it matter that heathens don't celebrate Christ when they celebrate Christmas? Well, there's a couple questions that you're asking at the same time. It's a lot. Like I said, be- because like you're I asking, said, like, why, do we, why do we care? And the answer could be like, we shouldn't. And then the episode ends. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, is that's the, true. I well, mean, like, I'm coming at this where I'm assuming that you do care. So, I mean, I've, if the answer is uh, we don't, then 
I don't care really? what, how the world perceives Christmas or not. Like it had that has no bearing <clears throat> or standing on on how I view Christmas and why we celebrate Christmas and how we celebrate Christmas. I don't I don't give two flying farts as to like how the world perceives my religious expression. Um, so, I mean, in that context, this is a very quick episode. Okay. That being said, you, 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 you started with a different question that, that we can take some time. And that is like, what is the war on Christmas? I remember this being a cultural thing. Um, I was maybe a little younger and insulated away from that. Like, what was that? What was the, the, the thoughts behind that? What was the iteration? Like, that's okay, a different topic. Well then, we can unpack that some. Well, then, once again, I thought those were all kind of the same thing. Because I thought that, I I honestly thought that you would care about taking the Christ out of Christmas or whatever in the heathen world. But if not, then we can pull that one I back. I don't even go to five it. bucks. I don't so, even, I don't even care about. Five bucks? I don't know what that means. Starbucks. Okay. Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like ten bucks. fine. Ten so bucks. what was the war on Christmas? Why Bind, did people ruin care so Starbucks. <laughs> what was it? Why did people care so much? Justin, you want to you want to throw in anything before I, I kind of because you and I are are closer in age and, and have a little bit more recollection of yeah I mean, this was not too long ago that they the Starbucks fiasco happened um, mm-hmm. but I mean it, for me it was happening a, you know I think I might have been overseas when it happened so I was just getting everything off of I was in a communist country mm-hmm. from when it, it was just about what 2015 16 probably something like that maybe yes. even earlier than it that was little, it was, was earlier it? than I, that I don't know. I just remember 2012 seeing, 2013 I just know. remember uh, so I might have been in Israel or something somewhere where they you know they didn't this have This is what Justin does Mary. I I might have been I don't you know somewhere around the Mary, world I might have been in Israel I might have been in China I might have been on that regardless of where I that, was that archaeological <laughs> dig in Antarctica I haven't been there yet that is a goal of mine of course it is <laughs> but uh, I what kind of archaeological seeing, dig are you going to do on Antarctica? Ice. Uh, the, there is. <laughs> I, there is a. According Elsa to, is real. Uh, no, according to the YouTubes, there is a, a time travelers and aliens <laughs> and stuff. Oh, underground, there we go. Underground base. <laughs> you just unwrap something. Then, you did. There we go. <laughs> so uh, anyway, uh, I remember seeing like big blow up on like Facebook and stuff of people like, oh, you can't take taking Christ out of Christmas and you shouldn't say happy holidays. I was like, why would you expect an unbelieving world to, to believe like you do? And and Mm -hmm. I think there's a, there's a distinct difference between cultural Christianity and actual Christianity. If you're just a cultural Christian, then you have to grasp onto these cultural Christian things like, like Christ and Christmas Mm -hmm. and uh, saying Christmas is staying Instead of saying Xmas or happy happy holidays. And and that, that will bother you. But if you're a Christian, you're, it it shouldn't affect you because your relationship with this is with Christ, not with with other people. Yeah. And and Christmas. And so for, for me, I love Christmas because that was a, that's the day we celebrate, you know, God sending a savior to us. And and I love everything about that, regardless of whether that, you know, the world has changed it to Santa Claus being something completely different than, the original story of Santa or, or, or adding in the magic and spirit of Christmas. I mean, yeah, I have my pet peeves. Like, you know, watch I love watching Christmas movies. I, I started watching them, but you know, I hate, yeah, well, no, I can't watch those, (laughs) but like, I hate watching Christmas movies where they're like, Christmas is going to be ruined. If Santa can't deliver the, the, 
the presents. presents. Like it'll just end. There's not enough Christmas spirit to keep no. Santa's right. sleigh in the air. <laughs> right. And and I'm just saying, like, you know, this is a fun, and I have to remind myself, this is just a fun movie to watch. And, and it gets people thinking about the word Christmas, regardless of whether you say happy holidays or Merry Christmas. And so it gives opportunity to talk about what Christmas actually is about. I mean, I know that sounds kind of Christian. The meaning Christian of the co- season. The meaning of the season, like Christian cliche stuff. But I mean, it really does give a, uh, an opportunity uh, to to showcase uh, what Christianity is. So, um, from from my from my perspective, and to just give you, I haven't been able to do a whole lot of research on this particular topic, right? Because of just the nature of how the topic is introduced, literally about five minutes ago. Um, so. I can only speak from just my own recollections of, of the war, the quote, quote, war on Christmas. Um, and that really came from, at least it came into my ether um, through Bill O'Reilly. So Bill O'Reilly was uh, the number one. He was uh, the eight o'clock, uh, had his show eight o'clock, the O'Reilly factor on Fox news. And for 20 some odd years, uh, Bill O'Reilly, the, the O'Reilly Factor, was the number one cable news show uh, on the planet. It was the number one cable show in the 8 o'clock time slot, like, across all demos. Like, it was, you know, Bill O'Reilly was to cable television what Rush Limbaugh was to radio. I mean, he was, he dominated for 20-some-odd years straight, uh, dominated. Um No longer is on the air, still doing some things. But it was Bill O'Reilly that, that I remember first hearing about the war on Christmas. Now, I don't know if he was leading the charge, uh, if he was the one that introduced it. Um, but he definitely was the one that, I mean, you started in November. You were going to get almost a nightly barrage of this just this cultural move to try to remove Christmas and exchange it for the holiday season. That We weren't going to call it Christmas anymore, and there wouldn't be nativity scenes and, and it was getting, you know, the idea of Christmas was, um, was being releg- it was being replaced, uh, by something more ambiguous. And, and I think that there were th- the reason that there was this, this reaction to the war on Christmas, I think it's twofold. And, and let me try to, let me try to tiptoe along this line for just a second, because I think this, this is an interesting topic. And as I'm, as I'm saying it, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting, getting some thoughts here. <clears throat> so first you know, in regards to Christians, you know, Bill O'Reilly, I think, claims to be a Catholic. Um, you know, at, from a Christian standpoint, there was this reaction of like, well, my middle school put happy Kwanzaa and happy whatever or, or, or happy winter solstice. Instead of it being the Christmas vacation uh, for my kids, it's the winter break. You know, we're changing all of this language. When it's Christmas, we know we're taking a break for Christmas. It's not the, we're not, you know, you know, and so there was like this Christian reaction because it was like one of the first things is like they're directly going after our religious holiday. You know, it is a religious holiday for millions and millions and millions of Americans. And and you're you're minimizing it, you're downplaying it, you're neutering it, you're attacking it. You're trying to, to you're trying to take the Christ out of Christmas and make it something else entirely. Xmas. You can go back to like the eighties when Xmas started becoming part of the vernacular. You know, Christian's reaction was instead of it being an abbreviation, it was an intentional attack of removing Christ from the holiday. 
Um, which, which we, which we've seen in general, just with, you know, the supplanting of Christ with, with Santa Claus and St. Nick with Santa Claus. And, and we have all different types of convoluted messaging. And, and so I think that there was this Christian response to it and, and kind of like, well, this is, this is the first big cultural battle. We have a lot of cultural wars going on, you know, and it's like, we've got this marriage one going on. And we've got, you know, we've got all these different things of drugs and this, that, and the other. And it's like, leave Christmas alone. Like, just give us Christmas. Like, why are you going after Christmas? Why are you taking Christmas away? Why are you trying to downplay Christmas? And then that reaction, you know, a couple of years later when Starbucks, you know, like their entire marketing campaign, you know, pulled back off of Christmas. And people just, I think from the Christian standpoint, it was like, is anything sacred? Like, can you not leave anything alone? Do we not have any part in this society anymore? You know, Christmas. You know, why can't we say Christmas? Why is it that, like, you get, you have to say Happy Holidays, and if someone dares say Merry Christmas, you know, they get ostracized for it. And you had, at the time, you had, like, stories that would pop up, whether they were true or not, who knows, but, like, of a news anchor that would say Merry Christmas and get suspended, you know? And then, you know, I was watching, at the same time, I'm watching ESPN, and it's like nobody ever had a problem saying Merry Christmas. That was the common thing. And yet, and almost like a flip of a switch on ESPN, it was Happy Holidays. Season's greetings. It's like they couldn't say Christmas. And it was like, this is stupid. Like, wh- like and so I think from a Christian standpoint, there was this react. There was a war because we felt attacked. You know, so there was this reaction of the Christian community of like, well, we're in this war. If we don't fight back, we're going to lose. Which there's some truth to. If you don't, you know, in a representative democracy, if you don't voice, if you don't voice your opinions, your opinions aren't voiced. Um, you have a right to voice your opinion, uh, to to fight for the things that you believe, to argue for the things that you stand for. That's that's the that's kind of part of what makes America work. You know, and if one side feels like they can't do that anymore, I think there is. Sometimes an appropriate reaction, but but the war, war on Christmas, you know, was there a war on Christmas? I, I maybe maybe. I mean, you look at it now, and it seems to be seems to be a war that they won. Um, so on one end, you know, I think that there was a Christian reaction. They're already getting rid of Christ. They switch into Xmas. This is all about Santa Claus. You know, that you know, you get back to the real reason of the season. You know, it was one of the biggest struggles that my kids had um, at public school. Uh, our last year in public school was uh, the 2019-2020 school year. Quincy was in second grade, and Theodore was in preschool. And the absolute most difficult time of the year for my kids was the Christmas season because because they were not allowed to talk about the things that, that they believed. They were not allowed to. They, they, they could not talk about Jesus and Jesus being the reason for the season, Jesus being the reason that we give gifts for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that, 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 that there's the, so many, yeah, you can get into the history of Christmas and the winter solstice and it's some of the traditions find its roots in paganism, but like we still have, have taken the date and like, well, we're going to recognize something that we don't know what time of the year it happened. And so arbitrarily it's December 25th, but that's still what we recognize you know, Christmas morning, my family wakes up. We have a Christmas tree. We have breakfast. We read the Christmas story. We open gifts that we gave to one another. 
Uh, we, my kids don't believe in Santa Claus. We enjoy Santa Claus. Oh, we love Santa Claus. We have a blast with Santa Claus. And that's the same way that my, my, my daughter loves Elsa, but she can love Elsa, dress like Elsa, play, play like Elsa, want to freeze things like Elsa without believing that Elsa is actually real until Justin proves she is by doing an archaeological dig in, in Antarctica. <laughs> but my point is, is like, we've always, we've always said, Hey, we can, we can, we can have fun with Santa and Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. All of these different things without believing it's true. I love the movie Elf. I don't believe it's true. I don't need to believe it's true to enjoy it. And much the same way, like with with all animation and kids' stories, you know, from Peter Pan to Shrek, I don't have to believe it's real in order to enjoy it. And so our kids enjoy it without believing it's real. And they have fun with it. They don't get gifts from Santa. That's selfish because it's my money. They get gifts from me. I ain't sharing that glory with a fat guy that comes down the chimney and steals my my, my milk and cookies. <laughs> I'm I work hard for that money. I'm taking all of the credit, you know. But that's a decision we make as as our own family. But but public school is very hard for my kids because when it came to the Christmas season, they had to shut up, and it was difficult for my wife. Where I mean, she would be dropping them off, and 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 the kids were so frustrated because it was like. We know the truth. Like we've taken the red pill, you know, they're all in the simulation. <laughs> you know, they all believe this thing that we know is absolutely ridiculous. Um, why? And try to explain that to a second grader and a, and a preschooler. It's, it's hard. So there was this Christian reaction subsequently. I want to say it's bigger than that though. And this is the interesting twist is that I think, so, so how do we have Christmas? Like understand that our, our, present day Christmas expression, the traditions that we have with Christmas, the characters of Christmas, the tree, the garland, the lights, uh, particularly Santa Claus, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, um, the commercialization of Christmas, really what we think of Christmas, it is, it is, it is not something that manifests in the same way in other countries of the world. Not at all. Now, other countries of the world celebrate Christmas, but they do so in a different way. Our, our, everything we think of as Christmas, which is fascinating, it is absolutely rooted, founded, tethered into Americana. Mm -hmm. You don't have Christmas without America. And not America as of today, but America of the early 19th century, of Coca-Cola, of, of the 50s. Um, and so when, when this secular perverted wackadoodle world that is seeking to change, like to, which is disparaging of our past, uh, makes fun of the fifties, uh, makes fun of tradition and traditional values. Um, they, they don't stand for the anthem. They kneel in protest. You know, they protest this, they protest like like there, the the um, there there was a reaction to all of this, the war on Christmas, because it felt like it was an attack on something that was intrinsically American, and like in much the same way that like you can't go after football, or you can't go after the military, and people will rally around the blue. Christmas is one of those things. Like this is America. If you don't like Christmas, move somewhere else. Yeah, it's rooted in America. And so that, that war on Christmas, I think there was two, it was the blending of two different groups of people. There were Christians that, that took umbrage with some things, but, but on the flip side to it, even non-Christians were like, you're attacking something that's fundamental to 
like country music and apple pie, baseball, Christmas. Like, if you if you don't like it, you hate you hate somehow you hate America. I'm not arguing that that's right or wrong, but I'm just trying to explain why I think that there was that cultural thing um, that took place. And in a lot of ways, a lot of a lot of Fortune 500 businesses backed off of it because they came to realize like. Yeah, we're going to screw with how we make a lot of money. You know, we, we need to back off of this because Santa is still a pretty good marketing tool. Like we've built this entire brand that feeds into huge retail sales that start with, you know, Black Friday. Um, you know, we're going to lose a lot of money if we mess with this thing that was taken us 70 years to build a brand. Um, you know, that makes sense. That kind of, that, does, that, does that articulate... The essence of, of the question. Now, why do I, I don't, I don't care. And I think that might help explain why I don't care because what, what I might have more reaction to it as an American, um, as a, as a Christian, um, again, I don't do the Santa Claus, all that stuff anyway. Um, this is just the day that, that we take to, to think about the greatest gift that was ever given, you know, that, that, that saved us from our sin. Emmanuel, God with us, the incarnation, um, the light of the world coming into the darkness. Um, Justin, you, you've, you've looked like you've kind of been itching to, to jump in here. No, I agree with everything you said. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I don't, well, that's not true. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I have a especially it's about if you hate Christmas, you know, you, you need to leave America kind of thing. Um, I'm or, not you know, going nowhere. <laughs> I like it here. If I'm going anywhere, I might go South. So I don't have to deal with this cold. I do have a follow up though. So I, I'll say Felice Navidad. Right. Let me take your cut open my follow. Let me take your follow up. I'll say you know I, the, the, a lot of this idea. It's been years. So we've been watching a bunch of Christmas movies with the kids because they finally gotten old enough. Before like really the only Christmas movie we, we ever really watched was Elf, and then and then we watched Home Alone. Uh, they're not quite old enough to watch Die Hard, the greatest of all Christmas movies. <laughs> yep. Um, I'll wait till they're teenagers before we get to that. Um, but we've started, we watched the, um, the Tim Allen, Santa Claus movies. Second one, by the way, trippiest thing ever. About halfway through that movie, I'm looking at my wife, like whoever wrote this was toked out of their mind. Oh, you obviously haven't seen the third or fourth one. I saw the third one with Jack Frost. With Jack Frost. Yeah, oh the, my goodness. <laughs> see the fourth one, that which my daughter, out? my daughter, after that movie, she, she looked at me, she goes, daddy, Jack Frost and Elsa are like the same thing. <laughs> and I was like, oh man, we just entered a t- uh, like this interdimensional war where Jack Frost and Elsa are actually the same person. Chew on that one. The fourth one just came out. Well, they've yeah, got the clauses, which yeah, is the yeah, TV show. Yeah. We watched the no, first it's not a TV show, is it? It's a TV show. Yeah, it's a oh, I didn't realize. And it's got that. all of the characters in it. Everybody that was in the three yeah. movies are oh, okay. they're all back. They're all in it. And uh, we watched the first episode last night. So oh. we watched the three movies to watch the show. Um, Cause I like Tim Allen a lot and, yeah. and, and they've been fun, but I, again, we, we enjoy all that without like propping up this notion um, that Santa Claus is real. And what's funny is, is it does not rob my kids of the joy and the fun of watching it. I mean, they enjoy it just as much as they would otherwise. So Creighton, uh, I, I will say, and this is what I was saying was what I was getting to is I watched Jessica and I, the other night watched white Christmas being Crosby, um, the old 1950s. I've heard of it. Oh man. And you watch it and you're like, <clears throat> we live on, we live on a different planet now. Yeah. Like it's li- like we, it's one of those movies that you watch and you're like, that was a great movie. 
it was well written, well acted, well crafted, had a good message. But like we don't live on that world, we don't live on that planet anymore. It, it, so I have a follow up. Very stark. My follow up is, um, given that it seems like the, like, you know, through the fifties, probably up until probably the eighties or nineties, Christian was the, like everyone in America was quote unquote Christian. And that is now diverged like the world of the fifties. Right. Like it was all that is now diverged. We now have, we, the, the heathens have taken Christ out of Christmas. Do you think that's a net good or bad thing? Because I don't know I am, if the heathens have taken Christ out of Christmas. It, I, yeah, they absolutely have. Again, they here's have. the thing: you go back, you go back to White Christmas in the 1950s, which is, I mean, the 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 most White Christmas is. I think it's still the number one selling song of all time. Maybe I thought it was a movie. No, it's a movie, but the song "I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas." Oh, okay, I'm on board. Comes out of that. Bing Crosby and another guy I think wrote it, or they they redid it. But um, but there's no mention of Jesus being the reason for the season. Um, I mean, I mean, Jesus was taken out of the, 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 the Americana presentation of Christmas. Uh, Jesus was removed from it. Um, to me, I celebrate that the more Americana aspect of Christmas, like I would the 4th of July, um, mm-hmm. even though the 4th of July even has probably more root in, in, in actual literal events than Christmas in that context. But like it's, it's, or the, or Thanksgiving, it, it's, it's, it's a cultural thing that I participate in. You know, as an American, because it's fun. Like, why not? I mean, just have fun with it. Um, I, I think it's fun. And if you don't want to, don't. Like, I don't care. And this comes back to my original statement. Like, I don't care. Um, if, if you, if you, whatever you want to do, that's fine. Um, as for me and my house, will serve the Lord. But I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a, here, and here's the thing that I always, my reaction to Bill O'Reilly and all that was like, you guys are, are worried about Christ and Christmas. Christ hadn't been in Christmas in 50 something years. Like, what, what what are you offended by? And the answer to that is because it's going to something else. It's that attack on America. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think, is the root to the majority of reaction. As far as the Christians and the, react, the reaction to, to removing Jesus as the reason for the season, it's like, Jesus hasn't been the reason for the season since probably ever. Um, you know, it, definitely Christmas has a, a better root in things that had nothing to do with Jesus beforehand. Until Julius the first arbitrarily picked December twenty fifth to be the day we recognize the birth of Christ, the blending of this winter solstice celebration, and and some Christian thing, uh, when we Christianize something that was pagan. I can uh, tell you what this commercialization of Christmas has done, and one of my greatest mis- uh, memories of any Christmas, I was uh, walking around a grocery store in Beijing, China, communist China, and because it's become so commercialized that they just use it, even though they're communists, they're capitalists at this point, they're using this to sell more stuff. Walking around a grocery store, they're playing Christmas music, and Go Tell It on the Mountain comes on in English. They don't know what's going on, but I'm just sitting there <laughs> like, this is amazing. And, and so that's what this commercialization of Christmas has allowed to, allowed to happen is all these songs, this this Santa Claus, this stuff like this has gone and spread out from America to these other countries where they don't speak the language, they don't understand the culture where it's coming from, and they're getting a taste of it. So I'm like, just the, the right. fact that I'm listening to Go Tell It on the Mountain in the middle of communist China, and nobody understands what's going on, 
like was amazing to me. Let me, you know, that's let me, pretty cool. Let me read a section of scripture and, and kind of tie this into a biblical idea. Okay. Which is, is grand because I'm going to probably like, I'm going to go ahead and preach my, <laughs> my Christmas Eve service, which is just dandy. <laughs> um, uh, Matt, uh, Luke 2, it came to pass in those days that the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place when Canarius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered. Everyone to his own city, Joseph... Also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. And then Luke has to tell us why he's laid in a manger, because... There was no room for them in the end. You know, one of the things about the Christmas story that I don't think it's enough, like enough conversation is, is like, again, it's one of the most foundational realities of the Christmas story and one of the most, I think, applicable to our society. So you have this amazing thing that happens. You know, the, the spirit of God overshadows Mary. Uh, the virgin conceives. She's, she's, she's got a child. Uh, God has made it very clear that this child is is the savior of the world. Um, that has to get confirmed to her betrothed husband, who is a little concerned that his betrothed wife has been knocked up. Um, but an angel appears to Joseph, you know, confirms Mary's story, and says, "Not only uh, this is what's happened, and this is legit. You'll name him Jesus again. The Father named the Son. You'll name him Jesus." Uh, for he will save his people from their sins. Um, and so, you know, this has all gone down in Nazareth. And then several hundred miles away, the Roman governor on an ego trips, like I want to number the people. And there's the census that's ordered. And so Joseph with his very pregnant wife have to make the journey uh, out of Nazareth, crossing from West to East to the, the sea of Galilee, working their way down South, down the Jordan river Valley before then taking the arduous journey up towards Jerusalem to Bethlehem, which is on the outskirts of Jerusalem. It's a very difficult uh, journey. A couple weeks, uh, they're poor. They're very poor. Um, what a, what a, an inopportune time <laughs> to have to take a trip. Um, but they had to. There was no choice. The, the, Roman, the Roman emperor made this decision, and everyone had to go to their hometown to be registered. That included Joseph, and by extension, included Mary. Part of it, they probably were all right getting out of town, you know? The rumor mill was very, very, very much a buzz about, you know, her pregnancy and, and the mysteries behind it and who's the baby daddy. Um, they get to Bethlehem, and, and, and again, this is the part that, that gets very little press. So they end up in a, a stable, probably more of a cave, um, it was for livestock, but that's where they end up crashing. Again, she's very pregnant. She's nine months pregnant. They're in. They're they're shacking up. They're rooming in a stable. There's no air conditioning. The air conditioning didn't exist. But there's no like heat <laughs> sources. There's no. There's no amenities. You know, even even in the first century context, I mean, they are roughing it. You know, um, they are living with. You know, the, the smells. It's unsanitary. Of all the places she ends up going into labor, you know, to me, the, the part of the story that very few people ever really think about or talk about is, okay, so how did they end up again in a stable? 
they end up in a stable because we're told there's no room for them in the end. But what? And it's easy to say like, oh, well, they were just poor. Maybe they couldn't afford a room. That doesn't seem to be the implication of, of the way that Luke describes it. There was no room for them in the end. The room was, the, the end was filled to capacity. There was no vacancies. There was no place for them to stay. So the innkeeper's like, we don't even know if he offers the stable or Joseph's like in a desperation mode. Like, well, I don't think anyone would mind who's going to, who's going to care. It's not even necessarily offered to them, but let's say it is offered to them. Again, you, you know, you just talk about like the like basic humanity and decency. If, if you had a hotel room <laughs> and, and you know, you're, you're there, you're in the lobby, it's all full, it's all packed. You know, everybody's, you know, trying to get in. They're trying to, you know, everybody's tired from, from drive. And you see this very pregnant, this young couple. Nine and a half months. Very pregnant woman. And you see this desperate look on both of their faces because there's no vacancies. You've got a room. Are you like, again, no one, no one gives them a room. This pregnant woman. Okay. Joseph, you need to go sleep out in the lobby. But no one could give up a bed for a pregnant woman who, by the way, is carrying the son of God. <laughs> Just keep that in mind. Right. But, but they're, they're, they're seemingly invisible. Not only that, but like, okay, there's no room in the end. There's not, there's not the innkeeper doesn't make a phone call. You know, come to my house. There's gotta be somebody in town that will give you a couch to sleep on. Like the fact that they, that they end up in a stable. I mean, like, don't overlook or skip over just the craziness of that detail. And so why? Well, the reason is that everybody was so busy with what they had to do. Their travel, the census. Everybody was so self-consumed that no one, no one had an awareness to recognize what was obvious at a minimum. This young lady needed a bed cause she was very pregnant at, at, at a maximum. This is this, this chick is carrying the son of God. We've been waiting for the Messiah. <laughs> you know, again, to me, it's like, it, th- there's an analogy there. There's this picture of, of everybody in Bethlehem, everyone in Bethlehem missed the greatest moment in human history. Everyone in Bethlehem, everyone in that end missed the opportunity to be a part of the greatest story ever told. Everyone in town was so self-consumed, busy, that they didn't, they didn't, they didn't have the ability to even see the most obvious, amazing thing right in front of them. And so what? They all missed it. And and Mary and Joseph end up in a stable. Jesus is born, and the first visitors are shepherds who are not in town, but they're out watching their flocks by night and they're half past drunk. They're land pirates. And then what happens? We're told that they go into town and they let everybody know what they've just seen. Do we, do we have any record of anybody going? Nope. Nope. And again, to me, it's like, you know, whatever, whatever the season, you know, however you want to define Christmas, whatever, there is something that we, that there's a group of people in this world that take the evening to take the day to recognize, you know, and it's like, everybody is so busy that I think it, I think it is an indictment that everybody misses the most important thing about it. Question. Maybe this is something for your sermon that they can watch on Sunday. 
but it being Joseph, next Saturday. Yeah, or, yes. But anyway, being Joseph's town of his family, wouldn't if he had had family? Oh, there. absolutely. You would have thought. Which means that they probably knew what was going on, and they just assumed that close their doors. Yep. Because or where's Zacharias and Elizabeth? Who know? Right, they should also be from that town, right? Who know? Well, at least well, from the region, the Mary, area. Mary's cousin, though. You're right; it was Mary's Would've cousin. Been different, but they were, but they were Levites. I mean, very possibly there. But I mean, again, you know, just even Joseph's kin. Yeah. Like, how in the world is nobody? Does even then, just like a stranger, you see this pregnant woman, you understand the situation, and you're like, yeah, I mean, I mean, where's the humanity? And there was none. There was none. And Mary, carrying the greatest gift ever given to man, delivers him in a stable. You know, it's funny to think about that because to start his life out, like you say, where is the humanity? And look how he finishes life. Where's the humanity? Look how he mm. lived his life. Where's his humanity? Yeah. Look at us right now. Where's the humanity? Yeah. Like you talk about Christmas season, the thing we're talking about, we're under persecution. So is he. We always are. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's a crazy thing to think about. Like, it's never going to cease. It's like the world's like, yeah, hey, we don't really care what's going on with you. Yeah. And it's like, well, um, we've got the greatest thing going on with us ever to happen on the planet. And you're missing it. And you're missing it. You're missing it. And, and you know what happens is that often you, you're missing it, and then at some point you've missed it. Do you know what I mean by that? There's a big, yes, there's a big difference between missing it and missed it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's a profound. Because you never really know when it is that you've missed it. You're often aware that you're missing it. Yeah. And then the opportunity has gone and it's, and it's gone. You know, and I think, I think, you know, again, if you're waiting, if you're waiting to tomorrow to take some time to reflect on the real reason for the season, the season will come and go. And then it'll be January, and you're like, "Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really do anything. Like th- th- this was a this was a colossal waste of time." You know. Um, we have any online comments, feedback? We have uh, the most important comment we've ever gotten, and that is a "Merry Christmas" from my mother. So <laughs> my mom, yes, yes, like my mom, mom is on. Have you met my mom? I don't think so, but I like. I don't her think so. She either. likes Christmas. She does. Yes. <laughs> That's yes. Justin. That's Nick. Uh, hi, Mom. She knows me. She does. She doesn't like you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, that's the only comment we've gotten so far. All right, that's good. Uh, oh, so, I take that back. My goodness, your brother is blowing up our Facebook. Uh, my brother? Which one? Nick. Oh, br- oh man. He asked if you're a dogs fan because he can't tell. <laughs> Something about somebody named Peter Miller. Peter Miller quarter zip dot classy. I don't know what that means. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's Nick. It's probably. Uh, I got this from yeah, Matt. That's about it. It's probably the jacket he's wearing. Hey, Nick. By the way, you've got a uh, 316 hat on the way. Yeah, we mailed that to Dale. Yeah, nice. we made that today to, to Nick and Mac. So, um, and anything else? No, that's about it. Nick, you got anything, Spice Daddy? Merry no, Christmas. I'm good. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Well, you've been watching the Outlaw Radio Show. If you are listening to the podcast, check us out Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. We will be having an episode. Uh, to wrap up the year next week. Uh, and then the Wednesday before between Christmas and New Year's, uh, we'll be taking that Wednesday off. But then we'll be back in the swing of things first Wednesday uh, of 2023. So again, if you're listening on the podcast, 
check out the live stream Wednesday at 8 o'clock. If you're watching, check out the podcast, available on Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh, once again, my name is Zach Adams. I'm so glad that you joined me and these knuckleheads tonight. Uh, on behalf of us all, and especially Creighton, we want to wish you a very Merry <laughs> Christmas.